Hey guys, welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the US. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. I'm Dr. Deepon Kar. Hi, I'm Dr. Bravinder Rindava. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. So I am very excited for everyone to listen to our conversation today with Dr. Michelle McKenzie, who is an optometrist from Bolton, Ontario. I work alongside Dr. McKenzie at the Bolton Optometry Clinic, and I asked her to come on our podcast to discuss syntonic phototherapy. Now, syntonics is not discussed very often in the regular optometry world, but it is well known in the developmental and behavioral optometry world for its visual, physical, and even psychological benefits. Phototherapy or light therapy in general is applied in the medical world in so many different ways. Phototherapy is used on infants with jaundice to clear the bilirubin in their liver by using yellow wavelengths of light. Some healthcare professionals even prefer phototherapy instead of antipsychotic medications to treat seasonal affective disorder, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, postpartum depression, and to help regulate sleep cycles in patients with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease. We even use concentrated light therapy in our dry eye patients now to stimulate the trigeminal nerve and enhance the function of meibomian glands. So with all of these various applications of phototherapy currently being used, why is it that phototherapy for the eyes and the visual system is not popularly accepted? Now, some of you listening to this may think, well, I'm not really into BV and vision therapy, so this episode's not really for me. Well, I want to challenge you all to think about where your practice is located. How far away of a drive is your next VT clinic? You know, do your patients with concussion symptoms or chronic near point stress symptoms have limited access to VT? Syntonics would be a great way to actually offer your patients something rather than nothing at all in your own practice. It takes minimal space in the office since you're mainly using filters and a light source, and most of the patient's therapy can be performed at home. So have a listen to today's episode and check out the resources in the description box to learn more about syntonic phototherapy and how you can incorporate this into your own practice. Dr. McKenzie, thank you so much for making time this night to come on our podcast. Um, So right when we get started, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, A little bit about me, I don't know. Uh, How, what would you like to know? I was the little kid in the back of the class who wasn't doing very well because of vision problems. And it wasn't until grade five when they figured out that I really couldn't see. And that made a huge difference. So I think that was part of the reason that I wanted to get into optometry for the first place. Mm -hmm. And then when I got into optometry, you know, the whole concept of binocular vision, learning related difficulties, all of that kind of thing really appealed to me got into practice and started, but coming from Waterloo, it was a little bit challenging because we didn't have a strong, well, Dr. Bobia wouldn't like me to say that. <laughs> we, we learned an awful lot about eye muscles, uh, but when it came to actually in-practice vision therapy, 
um, we did have to go elsewhere. So we went through all kinds of courses post-graduating. And mm -hmm. uh, now we have a practice in Bolton, just north of Toronto. And it is, uh, it's a full scope practice. We have about 1,200 square feet dedicated to vision therapy and neurooptometric rehabilitation. And we are delighted to have Dr. Bilko in our practice a couple of days a week. So it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And the practice is great. I mean, it is, it's very rare to have a practice with multiple doctors. So we have about five doctors, yeah. including myself. And, um, you know, a lot of offices don't even have the space or the money to really incorporate diagnostic imaging you know, the visual fields, the OCTs, just because the scope in Ontario, you know, those imaging, um, those imaging modalities really go to like ophthalmology. Um, so you can tell when, you know, your clinic has been there for a long time and really established. And then it also offers vision therapy, specialty contacts, you know, myopia control. It's like, literally, it is really almost an all, an all in one. We, great. we try. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, so vision therapy is the main reason why we're bringing you on the podcast today, because um, I really want you to help all of our listeners just just dip their toe into syntonic light therapy, <laughs> because I think for me, it was, you know, I never knew anything about that going into optometry school. And then I just one day met a patient at one of these um like exhibit halls that we had at ICO. And this patient came in sharing her story about syntonic therapy to help her um, concussion symptoms after a major car accident. And just, I don't know, the, the things that she said in her story just stuck with me forever that day. I was like, whoa, like how did staring at a blue light or a green light just like get, get rid of almost all of these symptoms for her. How, like, how does that even work? How does that make sense? And I think a lot of people might feel like that when they're listening to this, they're kind of like, what is this? How, how does this even work? I don't work? even remember learning this in optometry school. It was, I think, you know what? I'll give Dr. France credit. Dr. France definitely added um, like information about it in our vision therapy course that we had or our binocular vision um, strabismus course. Um, but yeah, it was never discussed was never covered, right? in like, class. No. Like, it's interesting that you guys haven't heard that much about vision there, like the syntonics as part of your courses, but then I don't think I did either, to be quite honest with you. You know, I, yeah. I came about it, you know, through other courses and hearing of other people who were getting into this. And, and it's true when you hear about somebody who stares at a green light and has that amazing life change, you wonder. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons it's a little bit off putting to some people because it feels a little bit unscientific. Mm -hmm. It really is. It is a scientific method. It is based on science and it's based on the way different wavelengths of light interact with the retinal cells and come in through the eyes. And we actually have a lot of a lot of response to light and color that you are all very aware of. You know, for example, a young baby will be put under lights to stimulate enzyme action. Yep. Sometimes if you have someone with seasonal affective disorder, we'll get a white light for them. And that light seems to help their mood and their ability to cope with things. Um, in brain injured individuals, those blue lights, those really deep violet blues uh, can help with 
with pain management. Mm-hmm. And it's coming in through the, the systems that interact through the autonomic nervous system. The way it actually works is through balancing the parasympathetic and the sympathetic systems. And that's why we can have some impacts. Mm-hmm. That's the short answer. <laughs> yes. You basically just summarize the podcast. So we'll just cut that out and then throw that right at the end. <laughs> no, but that was, that's, that's a perfect way to explain it to, you know, the general public or just general optometry, someone who's, you know, doesn't really dive deep into vision therapy in general or rehabilitation. And it's funny because you do mention like there are other accepted ways of, of, um, you know, administering light therapy. And then when you think about just administering it through the eyes, then everyone's like, no, no, that doesn't make sense. Or no, that's not accepted. Um, I think too, I think there was, you know, this goes back 70 years, 80 years. I forget how much exactly. Um, But there were times when people would maybe take syntonics and say that it could do more, you know, it could have more body effects. And I think that, Certainly, we know that the sympathetic system can, you know, reach all the way down to, you know, your cardiovascular, your, your thyroid, all those things can have impacts from this, because it is that automatic, autonomic system. Mm -hmm. But syntonics can't do everything by itself. And I think that's the whole thing. Syntonics is just another tool, it can be a very powerful tool. And you have to know what you're doing. Um, but it isn't the be all and end all. It's not going to be the magic wand that solves every vertical problem. Yeah. You know, there's other things involved. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much just kind of like working on your hormones, kind of. It can. I mean, it's coming in through like a, a parasympathetic sympathetic system. So if you've got the sympathetic system, you know, with the pupil dilation, you know, the, you know, all those things that can happen with accommodation it can have a little bit of a change in your your virgin's posture things things like that it, it's the background the background way of getting into some of these processes through the autonomic system rather than having a conscious i'm going to look here mm-hmm. kind of effect mm. that's how it can complement a vision therapy system because you can work on something that will stimulate bring more oxygen get that muscle going or alternatively calm something down. Mm-hmm. You can do that with your kids if they're a little bit squirmy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's the backdoor way of coming in. Yeah. And not everybody is sensitive to it. Some people are really sensitive to it and have dramatic responses. And other people, it doesn't make a difference. So yeah. which specific patients would this therapy be helpful for? Well, syntonics can have an impact and it has been shown to be very helpful when it comes to a whole host of issues. So you can deal with virgence problems, you can deal with vertical uh, disorders in the eyes. It can help with learning related difficulties. It can help with uh, traumatic brain injury. There's a a series of wavelengths that have been developed by Spitler many years ago that would speak to different parts of the visual system. And this is how they're used. Usually you, you will syntonize, you'll expose a color, and then you will do another color to balance out. So um, the combination of those colors can, can work on different, different areas, depending on what that patient needs. So pretty much 
like I know they they wear a certain filter goggles. So what what are they looking at? Like are they looking at a like it's a bright light like that they look box. at or Well, and sometimes it is. There's there's different ways you can do it. So there are syntonizers that you can buy. They're long tubes mm-hmm. and they have um, you know, lenses that are made to the wavelengths. It's sometimes hard to find those. I think you can still get them in Europe. Um, and you can sometimes get them from offices with a retiring doctor because this was something that was popular before. Uh, I think CSO's 101 course teaches you how to make your own syntonizer with things from Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get you can get goggles. What we're doing is we're using those goggles from Syntonac. Um, that's uh, Vasana and Chula in Chicago. They have a wonderful little business where they can provide um, paper goggles that have the uh, they have the wavelength colors, and you can use a pen light with that. But you can use a pen light to use um, different eye eye movements. So you can follow the pen light vertically, horizontally. You can move the pen light in and out for virgins. Even when you're in a syntonizer, um, you're you're sitting there maybe for 10 minutes looking at the light, but you're moving your eye around the center of that tube and you're moving it in different patterns up and down, trying to really, you can't just sit there and stare at something. It's really boring. Who's going to sit there for 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the problem. But if you can move your eye in different movements, you can incorporate some ocular movements in there as well. But then some of the headache people, some of the brain injured people, when I'm putting them into um, uh, that deep purple, that upsilon omega D, that is something that they can just put that on and sit. If they've got a rip roaring headache or a sensitivity to light, they can just put that on. Even they can close their eyes and the light will get through their eyelids. And you put that onto somebody who's got a hot migraine in your chair, and I just turn the room lights down. I say, try this. I put them on, and you can see their whole body relax. And they take it off and they say, what just happened? But yeah. it can be very powerful in that way. Since so many of us are in primary care, optometry, right? So, what should we be looking for during case history and during a primary care eye exam that would provide clues that syntonic therapy may alleviate the patient's uh, symptoms? Well, I think, like anything, you're looking for a complete history. And you're looking in particular for, um, you know, what is it that the patient is really after? What are their goals? And what tools can you provide in your toolbox to help with this? Um, One very important thing in syntonics is how we look at the pupil. And you can examine the pupil easily in a primary care exam with a direct light source, even at your slit lamp. When you look at a pupil and you bring that light across, sometimes you'll see that the pupil will come right down, but it will wiggle a little bit. You get that hippus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll see it just open right up again. And that really speaks to how much sympathetic control is in, is, is working with that patient. Because if that pupil is dilating under my slit lamp beam, then I know that that person has maybe an imbalance in their system. That pupil should be able to crunch and hold. And if it can't, then there's probably something that we can work with through syntonics. 
um, to help rebalance the parasympathetic and the sympathetic systems. In fact, that pupil is something that you would, if you're in a, if you are in a syntonic therapy, there are certain landmarks that you look at. One is the pupil, one is a visual field. You can look at like a VO star, but you're watching how that application of light makes changes to the pupil response to the size of the field or to the star. And if you're not seeing changes in those markers, then you might have them in the wrong filter. That is so eye-opening that you just mentioned the pupil dilating after it's been exposed to a slit lamp beam or the transluminator, because I made that association with um, any of the patients that I've had with like a, just accommodative dysfunction in general. Like all of my young 20 year olds or late 20 year olds, if they have accommodative spasm or accommodative excess and they, they're, you know, really over minus or they're latent hyperope and they're just, you know, all over the place. Those are always the ones that have like a mid dilated pupil already. And then when you shine a light in their eyes, you see the constriction and then immediately right after they start to dilate again, you know, I guess we can make that association too, that oftentimes patients with accommodative dysfunctions Absolutely. also are very, you know, either way in their sympathetics or way in their parasympathetics and they're really off exactly. um, because they also have, you know, um, uh, mental health issues. Sometimes they have anxiety, depression, they're on antipsychotic medications. That's now, you know, causing that imbalance too, probably if it's, you know, dosed incorrectly. Um, yeah, you just, you just blew my mind right there. <laughs> I know a lot of the, a lot of our listeners right now are probably optometrists or optometry students who, you know, don't administer syntonic therapy and are still, you know, still learning about it today for the first time, maybe, but, um, in general, you provide syntonic therapy to your patients. So how do you go about providing the phototherapy? Um, you know, what else is involved in the treatment process at all, if they were to experience the therapy and what's your follow-up treatment for that? Or how often is the follow-up care? Just a little bit more in detail. Sure. Um, so if I'm thinking of, um, syntonic therapy, then I first want to do a full history and I want to understand all of their binocularity. So I want to know about their accommodative function. I want to know about their facility, their, you know, virgins, all of that. I also want to know what their VO star looks like or a chiroscope tracing. So those are really important as baselines. And we do campimetry, which is a visual field that's based on color. So it's, it's a near visual field. It's a, it's a kinetic field. And we use um, different colors to come in from the periphery to to a central point and we're looking to see where the color pops because if the colors if you've got this little blue spot out in the periphery um, it's a different visual system it you know it's there but you don't always see the color popping that's when your parvul magnal kind of stuff changes your your sensory system is different and so when you bring that in this is helping us to define the size of their color fields campimetry is color fields and you'll see that a lot of those people with accommodative issues or with uh, virgin's problems, or if they're having even emotional problems, they'll have very reduced fields, very small fields. And this is sometimes I think one of the big problems that they have is that they, they're walking around with these very small fields and their, their systems aren't functioning well. Mm -hmm. 
that camp imagery is really important because we are going to see just how much of the system is impacted. Once we get the camp imagery and all those other measurements, we will select filters and the patient can, we will provide the patient, usually for us, we're providing goggles with a pen light and some exercises. Um, we're providing those materials and they're going to do, you know, the first color, which is the active color, and it's going to influence the system. And then they're going to do the second color, which is the, usually the cleansing or what we call the, it, it brings the system back. So you might be doing a, a red kind of wavelength and then you'll finish with a green kind of wavelength. And then there's different, you know, we don't want them to be walking in the filters. We don't want them to be watching their phone or, you know, talking to their friends. We want them to be concentrating on the color. And we have a, a system where once they finish with the color, we want them to cup their hands over their eyes so that they're really absorbing it into the system. And it's important to know at that point if they're seeing any reflex color, if they have any colors that kind of bounce into their mind. Sometimes you'll see them report the opposite color to the one that was used in the filter system. Um, we like to know about that. So this is one of the things that gets recorded on their recording sheet. Uh, after that, they gradually open their fingers, gradually let the light back in. And we usually say, have a good drink of water, you know, just kind of close the system with just a cleansing drink of water. And they'll do that every day for about a week. And then they'll come back and I want to see my baselines again, whether that's the star or the chiroscope or the campimetry. And I want to see what one week of doing that every night has done to the fields or those initial findings. Um, because if I'm not if I'm not seeing a bit of a change in the right direction and increase in the fields or an improved star, then I'm going to look at that filter selection to see if it's quite right. Mm -hmm. If it's right, then I'll probably send the patient home to continue this for about a month and I'll check them at one month, two months, three months. Um, that's a complete system if we're just doing syntonics. And that is something that I sometimes do. But more often, what I will do is I'll add it to a vision therapy plan. So if I've got a little girl who's an ESO and we're working on that through vision therapy, then we might just throw in one week or two weeks some of those filters to do. It's just to mix things up um, as part of a bigger plan. Mm -hmm. So you can use it a couple of different ways. Um, if somebody's thinking about getting into this, I think the first thing that they do before they buy any filters, before they do any campimetry, before they really start, you know, into this journey is educate yourself, mm -hmm. you know, get some courses, read a book, um, go to CSO. CSO is the, um, college of syntonic optometry. And they're in fact having their 101 course, I think on the long weekend, it's a virtual one. So you can find that. Um, OEP often has a syntonic course that you can find. Um, Stéphane Collier is one of the most brilliant speakers you can ever listen to. If you ever get a chance to listen to Stéphane, it's worth it. <laughs> and he has a fantastic talk about him all the course. time in clinic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He's a brilliant man. <laughs> We're, um, I'm hoping that I can maybe talk him into coming back to Canada and doing some syntonics in French so we can bring our Quebec friends yeah. into this world. Oh yeah. I think the, what interested me the most was the color fields, because that's definitely something that you can physically 
show your patient. Um, you know, I recently had a patient at our clinic that I went to Dr. McKenzie for, because I said, you know, this girl is um, a large, you know, um, exotropia, right eye dominant, left eye usually turns out more, and she knows how to suppress that eye um, whenever she starts to see double. And um, a, a lot of her CI symptoms from that exo have also, you know, caused some, well, I don't think directly caused, but, you know, has possibly contributed to symptoms of uh, clinical depression because, you know, she's getting a lot of the headaches. She can't read, she can't work. She can't look at her computer anymore. And so because of the fact that she also has clinical depression, that actually triggered me to ask Dr. McKenzie, Hey, does this sound like a good patient for syntonics? I don't know. Cause I know it's about, you know, sympathetics, parasympathetics. <laughs> if she has depression, clearly something might be off balance. So can we incorporate this into her um, vision therapy for the CI and the XT? And um, we did color fields on her. That was, that's, this is my first patient ever trying syntonics. And, and I don't, I, I'm still learning. I did not take the courses yet, but even to see the fields, it was pretty cool. You know, her right eye, the color fields were, I think, fairly open, fairly normal. But because she's right eye dominant, when you flip over the field and you look at her left eye, everything's constricted. And so it's just like when you see these results, you're like, this, this completely matches with everything that you've been experiencing your whole life. All of these symptoms you're getting, the left eye is giving you the most trouble. And look, it's showing you trouble right here, right on the page. Like it's so, um, it's so interesting to see everything add up when you add syntonics, um, treatment to like a vision therapy patient. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to comment on that. It's pretty cool. No, and it's, it's even more exciting and, and you can watch for this because you'll work with that patient for a little while and then you'll see that field open up. Mm -hmm. like to see that impact of how the therapy is working and and that can happen even just in general bt you know mm -hmm. you can work with her a little bit you can see how things are going and see if we can improve her awareness of that eye and then you'll see those fields open up yeah it's an easy way for people to to get into vision therapy if they want to start with syntonics and just maybe take some courses and and see how this is applying if you don't want to do compimetry you can actually do an idea of a color field with um, like a string and a bead, like a Brock string. And you can, you can have that patient, you know, watch the string as it moves, you know, you move it laterally and you can see where they lose it. Mm. Somebody with a restricted field will lose it very quickly. Somebody with an open field, will, it, they can go quite a ways before they lose the string. Mm -hmm. but you, you learn all about this in the courses. Do you have like a general guideline of what colored goggles you use for what, um, for what symptoms or what problem what conditions or yeah. what conditions? Yeah. Yes, you do. And that's, that's part of the course because there's a whole bunch of different wavelengths. So the Epsilon Omega D, the one that I mentioned for the head injuries is three colors, Epsilon, Omega, and D, and they're applied in that order in the goggle. And it can make a difference if the goggle has a white frame, a gray frame, or a black frame, because that can have a different impact on your system. You know, there are different retinas 
retinoscopies <laughs> that you can do to see if the color is working. So if you choose a color, you can actually use a streak ophthalmoscope and have the patient look at a pen light through like a lollipop of the color. And then you can see whether the patient is, is accepting the color by the way their retinal reflex works. So, so it, it does, it is based on science. That's the thing that I don't think people understand. They think it's just looking at a color or we'll throw on this color, but there's yeah. a lot that goes to it to, to measuring and monitoring if you're gonna do, be doing it properly. For any optometrists who may be interested in, you know, maybe there is a vision therapy clinic, you know, down the road and, um, you know, maybe they do offer syntonics, but we just don't know when to really refer or even just kind of tell our patients that that option is available for them. What other sort of maybe conditions or categories of eye disorders could potentially be uh, rehabilitated with syntonics? So, you know, we already mentioned my patient who's a large exotropia with the CI. Um, we talked about patients with severe migraines or headaches, concussions, anything else, any other sort of eye conditions or categories that we could consider? Yes, you can use syntonics um, in sports vision. Uh, oh. Syntonics can be another application for athletes. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes syntonics are one of the things that really helps those people who have a hyper or a hypo. That can, that, there's a specific filter for that too. And there are specific filters that you can use actually with myopia control as well. Ooh, so, you know, I if somebody's not respond, yeah, you can. Um, you know, for ESO deviations, for exo deviations, for learning related problems, you know, to get the stimulus. Um, depending on depending on the patient you know if there's somebody who's who's having difficulties that the traditional methods aren't working maybe syntonics is worth exploring mm -hmm. you just mentioned syntonic therapy for specific learning related uh disorders i remember was it you Deepon, who was mentioning the erlen erlen filter which claims that it's a, a, fil a filtered lens on patients' glasses for dyslexia or, or for like right. Erlen syndrome. Right. Yes, mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know, Doctor McKenzie. I, I'm sure you've heard of um, Erlen syndrome and the different filters. That yes, that. Yeah. yeah. Erlen syndrome is is something that I have heard of, and it works with colors as well. Mm -hmm. And they do put them into glasses. I'm not the complete expert on Erlen syndrome. But what I find is that if, if you respond to a syntonic filter, I'm not going to put that into your glasses because mm -hmm. that's a treatment and you will change the filter that you need. Mm -hmm. So rather than making up a pair of glasses that you wear all the time, I do a different approach where we're using it as, as a therapeutic lens yeah. and we're using it in a therapeutic model, but not in a full time um, modality. I think that's a whole different envelope of things. Mm -hmm. um, that makes sense. Yeah. It's not really syntonics. Isn't like more of a full-time, no. full-time solution. It's just rehabilitation oh. until you get better and then you don't need it anymore. Um, how do you know when syntonic phototherapy can be stopped for a patient? It, it comes down to the patient, right. And their goals. 
Um, but as well, from a clinical point of view, if I can get those fields to open up, if that pupil will crunch down and hold on the biomicroscope, if the patient's symptoms are better, then I think we're getting somewhere. You know, that, that VO star, if it's put back together nicely, um, that's when I think we, we can, we can probably end the program when we're, when we're making those gains. I think if we did just pure syntonics by itself, it might go a little longer. If you can combine syntonics with your VT program, I think you can get it done faster. Yep. That's been my thoughts and experiences, but sometimes people don't want to come in for every week. So we'll, we'll give them a syntonic approach. Um, and, and yes, it's a really good question. When do we end? Like, it's definitely based on those, those beginning tests that we take and to see that they've actually improved and that we've got, we've got better fields. And it can be very, like, I think syntonics can be very powerful, but the reason you need to, to, to learn about it is because, you know, sometimes if you're going to be putting a red color on an, on a little isotrope, they're going to also maybe act out. It might make them angry. They could have emotional results. You know, I've had some kids, you know, maybe their digestive problems start up or things like that. So you have to, you have to be knowledgeable about these things that mm -hmm. um, a color can be very powerful. Uh, so you do need to get some information about how this works. And you have to realize that if maybe the color is too strong, you got to pull it back. Mm -hmm. You got to change those filters. This was great. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Michelle, for coming on and just sharing little tidbits about syntonics. I've always geeked out about it. And now I can finally be a little selfish on the podcast and share it with everyone else. <laughs> just so that now right, we're going to have to send everybody some filters. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, for our listeners who actually want to know more about this, are there any resources or um, articles that you want to share with us? Yeah, Stéphane Collier wrote a book called In Syntony. Um, you can get that on Amazon. It is my Bible. <laughs> so the, um, and, and, and it's funny because everybody knows if, if I have a question that I will pull out Stéphane's book. <laughs> it's dog-eared and it's uh it's got all kinds of little sticky notes in it and uh it's great um cso has a great uh if you get into cso you can become a member of cso the college of syntonic optometry they have a journal that comes out i'm not exactly sure how often but it will post a lot of information they have resources on their website so and i think you should you know that their membership is not a very expensive one so it's easy to get information through CSO. And they have, like I said, that virtual meeting coming up very shortly in mm -hmm. May. And it looks pretty interesting. So yeah. if somebody's interested, that's the first place I'd go. Yeah. I hope a lot of people at least now know that Syntonics is a thing and that it's out there, even if it still doesn't make sense, it's there. And they should really consider some of their patients with any of the symptoms we talked about, you know, just share the option that maybe, you know, your VT doc in your city or your town, if they offer something like this, that might be something you want to talk to your patients about. Cause I think they'd be even more impressed with you as a primary care OD talking about this sort of special option just for them. I think even then they'd be pretty impressed that, you know, 
what else is out there for them. I'm so delighted to meet you all. It's been nice to listen to you up until now and to actually put some faces to the names. Thank you to everyone for listening to Four Eyes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating to give us feedback on how we're doing. You can also check us out on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum for more content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. So until then, stay tuned. Stay tuned.